We're in Luke chapter 14 this morning. I'm going to begin reading at verse 7. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Lord God, we just love and thank you and praise you for your holy word. Cause us now, Lord, where we sit to hear your voice and to follow your commands. Draw us near now. Be in the midst, dear Lord. Be with our pastor in every way that he needs and prays that your word would go out and grip the hearts of those who will believe. In Jesus' name, amen. May I tell you about a young man? His name was Jeff. Jeff was born during an epidemic of polio. It's very unfortunate because he was born just a year or two before there was a mass vaccination against polio, which virtually wiped out the disease in the U.S. And he got the disease, and he was, from childhood, crippled in one leg. You can imagine what it's like for somebody young growing up like that, especially, you know, when you hit the young teens and middle school, he was just always left out. Life was tough for him. No friends, not one who was invited to people's houses. He was teased and bothered by all the other kids. I think we know how cruelty is in the human heart. And when it's unfettered like that in school, it can take over the relationship. Everybody kept their distance. When they had events, when they had parties, when they had games, he was never invited to be a part. On his part, Jeff began to, well, he'd poke people with things and he'd hit with things. He'd spit at people. He'd yell at them. The teachers said that's just his way of trying to get a response, you know, to let people know that he's still there. But, of course, the other kids just thought he was mean and this just reinforced how mean he was. So they continued to hold him at arm's length. When he walked by, they would mock him. As he limped, they would copy his limp. He felt humiliated. He became, as you can imagine, angry, and he became bitter at the rejection. He was broken. There's actually a lot of people like Jeff. It happens in many settings. It could be for many of you who are here or watching that it happened in youth. This kind of bitterness at being rejected, at being humiliated, sort of settled into your heart. It could be at work, where you're passed over. You don't get the promotion. You don't get the raise that is due to you. And, and it can happen all the time with friendships where you feel left out. You're not a part of things as you think you want to be and ought to be. So what should we say to Jeff? Does Jeff have to battle the wounds of humiliation all the rest of his life? Do other people in similar settings have to deal with this bitterness all their lives? Or is there another way? Is there healing? I'd like you to listen to Jesus in the text that we read from Luke chapter 14. You know, Jesus is brilliant, and he has brilliant insights 
first of all, into human nature. That's what I'll talk about. And secondly, into what humiliation really is. And then thirdly, into humility, the healing that comes from humility. So let's just look at these insights from the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, it begins with an insight into human nature. We all hunger for significance. We all want to be important to others. We want our lives and what we do to matter to other people. Now, here in verse 7, there's just this interesting thing about what Jesus noticed. He says, he began speaking a parable to the invited guests when he noticed how they had been picking out places of honor. It's just interesting that he would even care, you know, (laughs) where people are sitting. But he did. And what he notices is not that the party planner had failed to put little name tags at each place, that that's the problem. What he really noticed was something about human nature, namely that we all want to be wanted, that we all want to be special to other people, that we all want to be valued or honored in some way. So the way people are sat is that they sat in a sort of a U-shape, leaning on one arm. It's more of a couch that they were on. But the guest of honor likely was Jesus himself, and the places of honor were closest to the guest of honor. And so Jesus was noticing, where are people sitting? So they were marking their spots. You've probably done something similar, like, you know, you go to a banquet or something, and you pick out your best seat, and you, know, you unfurl the napkin and put it on there, a piece of cheese on the plate, or drink the water. You say, this is mine, you know. You can't sit here anymore. Put your coat on the chair. So they were all picking their seats, letting everybody know this seat is taken. So as he observed this, Jesus told them a parable about how we grab for significance and honor, and how when we grab for this honor, it really leaves us feeling hollow. We end up with just air in our hands. Now, these seats at a banquet that Jesus is talking about are really symbols, right? You understand that they're symbols of the honor we seek, the recognition we seek. It could be the titles you want. It could be the salary, the promotions, whatever it is that gives us a sense of being honored and care. And most importantly, I think, you might say most tenderly, has to do with our relationships. We feel honored when we matter to other people. Am I really her friend? Am I her closest friend? Was I invited? How come I wasn't invited? Am I included in that text? Am I being left out? Those things hit us very sensitively at our hearts. And so we elbow our way into these trophies of honor because, well, it makes us feel good about ourselves to be wanted, to be important, you know, to be able to say, I matter to other people. People want me. So we love, for example, titles, don't we? I don't know if you've ever watched this comedy series called The Office. Have you ever watched that? Those who watch The Office know there's this one character on there named Dwight who argues about two words in his title. He goes around saying, I'm the assistant regional manager, and his nemesis in the office always corrects him. No, you're the assistant to the regional manager. And it humiliates Dwight. It brings him down, just the presence of those two words. Now, we want these titles because they puff us up. We're important. Wouldn't you like to be called Sir, Sir Robert, or, you know, Dame Diana? I mean, Duchess, Baroness, those are great titles. The smallest sovereign nation in the world is called Sealand. It's an island, as you can imagine, and it confers titles. Some of you have maybe heard of Ed Sheeran, the singer, 
and apparently he's a baron of Sealand. And you too could have a title. And wouldn't it be great to sign your letters, you know, Sir Robert at the end. These titles matter to us. And they're conferred, they're honors that are given and people value them. It makes us feel significant. No one likes to be left out. Valentine's Day, right? If we were having schools going on, kids would give cards to their friends. And there's a rule that kids have. You know, schools have a rule that if you give a Valentine's Day card to one in the class, you have to give them to everybody, right? Because nobody likes to be left out. As we grow up, it doesn't change. We have the same feeling. Think about how you feel when you're not invited to a gathering of people that you thought were your friends. How does that feel? Think about how you feel when you're passed over for a promotion or, or when you're not selected for a responsibility in a social group or in a church or in some other setting, maybe even in your own family. How does that make you feel? It hits at our sense of significance because we start to ask, do I then matter to anybody? Do I matter to these people? And so that brings me to my second point. Because we hunger, I would say we hunger so desperately for significance in some way, Jesus here points us to what then crushes us, and that's humiliation. Verses 8 and 9, let me just read. When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this man, and then in disgrace you proceed to occupy the last place. And when that happens, we can pretend we don't care. I don't really want to go to that party. But we do care. It hits us deep. It can break us. So we grab the good seats. And as I mentioned, this is human nature. And Jesus is relying on that in this parable. Grabbing the good seats happens in many ways. Of course, in life, there it's symbols of ways we do that. We feel significant when we have lots of friends. We feel significant when people invite them to their events. You know, when we're the first one to get the invitation. We feel significant when people, wow, when they laugh at our jokes, when they ask our opinion, when they think we know what others should do. So we grasp for that approval. That's what Jesus is talking about. This parable is sort of Jesus expanding on something in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 25, 6 and 7 says this, Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great, for it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. So the parable is, well, it's a wedding feast, and so you walk in, and of course you want to be near the bride and the groom, that's the place of honor, that's where the people who are members of the family are seated, and of course that's where the people closest to the bride and groom are seated, and you're sure that you're one of them. I'm one of her closest friends. We're like this, you know. Oh, the stories I could tell you about how we grew up. You're sure you're one of the closest friends of the bride and the groom, so you sit down because you're sure that they're looking for you. You know, the bride and groom are thinking, oh, I hope you're there because you're the most important guest at this wedding. You put your coat down, unfurl the napkin at a place near where the bride and the groom are going to Said it's your spot, and you've settled in. And after a few minutes, the wedding planner knocks on your shoulder or taps you on the shoulder and says, excuse me, uh, this seat is for family and the close friends. 
let me show you where your seat is. So you grab your coat and you grab your family and you are walked back and you end up sitting in a seat by the kitchen. And every time the servers come in, you know, the door hits your table and you're so irritated. Everybody watches you. You're humiliated. You might want to cry. You probably want to leave thinking of a way to slowly slip out of that place. You're probably bitter. You're probably angry at this humiliation. You're broken. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's humiliation. When we grasp at honor that we think belongs to us and we find out, no, it's really not mine. But imagine if this is a picture of someone's whole life. This is how they've always lived. They always feel like they're being humiliated in this way. I bet there's people in this room or watching who have experienced this or are experiencing this. Their life is a series of being left out, passed over, unappreciated, humiliated. I remember a man who in our church was much loved and much appreciated. He taught Sunday school. People went to him for counsel and wisdom. They loved being his friends, but completely different at work. He would say, you know, they just don't listen to my ideas. You know why? Because the boss doesn't know what he's doing. And they promoted him rather than me because he tells them exactly what they want to hear. But when he said this, his jaws would just clench. So much anger and bitterness over that humiliation that he faced every day going to work. He just couldn't wait to retire to get out of that place. Of course, it took its toll on him emotionally. It broke him, but eventually it took its toll on his body also. A lot of us are in situations like that. And here Jesus is offering a brilliant insight really into human nature, how desperate we are for honor, for acceptance from others, for inclusion, and then this warning that it can kill us. When they don't give us what we think we are owed, it can kill us. But here's two specific warnings that I would offer from Scripture. First, that it may be that our view of ourselves is way off. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think with sober judgment. Are you sure your contribution at work is as critical as you think it is? It may not be. Are you sure that you're as close a friend of that other person as you think it is? They may not think the same way. Are you sure you're as smart as you think you are? Are you sure that you're as insightful and as funny and as knowledgeable as you think you are. It may make you feel left out or overlooked because you're not getting what you think you should because what you think you should get is way out of line. You're thinking too highly of yourself. You're sitting in the wrong seat. You go and you sit by the bride and the groom and they have to tell you to go back to the seat that really you belong to. But here's a second warning here. And I think this is far more important. Why does this happen? Why does this humiliation happen? Yeah, maybe because we're thinking of ourselves too highly. We're taking the high seats when we shouldn't. But here's more importantly, because we're looking to the wrong place for significance. We want to be recognized, yes, appreciated, feel important to other people. And the truth is they may never give us that honor. And it kills us. So Jesus is really saying, is there another way? Are we really dependent on other people to give us our sense of significance? Do we really want them to have that kind of power over us, or is there another way? And that's the third point. Here's Jesus' radical remedy. The way to be truly significant. And I could summarize it by saying humility. 
Humility saves us from this kind of humiliation. I'm not saying that what Jesus is saying is easy. I think it's a really hard pill to swallow. I think a lot of us will reject this. It really puts our faith on the line. Like, do I really believe what Jesus is saying? Will this really happen as Jesus says it? And yet Jesus is saying that this is the way to have God smile on our lives. Let me explain what I mean. I want to begin by telling you a fact of life. It's really a wicked fact of life, and nobody told you this when you were young. So, especially for young people, listen to this, because this is really true. If you fight for honor, if you fight for wealth, if you fight for all the things that you think will really satisfy you and will make you happy, recognition, titles, salary, money, friends, what you'll find is that eventually you'll be surrounded by people who have more of the very same thing, and it'll make you feel insignificant. When you get there, you will not feel significant because everyone there will have more of what you long for. For example, I knew a young man who thought he'd really feel important if he had a higher degree. So he, he did. He went to grad school. He you know, got in debt. He spent the time. He got this degree, and he got a new job. And he got there, and he says, wait, everybody around here has this degree. I'm not special anymore here. And you know what? They get invited to speak at special places and they're members of these special academic societies and I'm not welcome there. I don't feel significant anymore. Our setting changes. It's just a reality. If you think money will make you feel important, so you work and you earn and pretty soon you have a lot of money and you say, wow, now I can join that club and have fancy vacations. But then you're surrounded by people and you say, wow, their vacations are a lot fancier than mine. And look what he drives. Wow, look at their house. You feel insignificant again. It's just a fact of life. Trust me, when you get there, everybody there will have more than you have. And you'll still feel insignificant. It never satisfies. When we grasp at honor like that, it leaves us unsatisfied. Trying to grasp at significance in those ways leaves us holding air. So Jesus has a different prescription and it's really humility. Look at verse 10. But when you're invited, go and recline at the last place, so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. All right. Do you trust him? Do you trust Jesus? Does this really work in life? Is Jesus really smart about life? That's the question. Take the seat by the kitchen door. Just start there. Start low. That's what Jesus is saying. Start humble. There's an old story about a preacher who just graduated from seminary. You know, he won the prize for preaching. He had taken all these extra courses, was almost completed with a graduate degree, and he was invited to preach in this church. He was so full of confidence. I'm going to tell these guys everything I've learned. He has all his notes there. So he bounded up to the pulpit and he began to preach and he started to look out. And as soon as he saw the people, he sort of froze a little and he got a little confused about where to begin and he lost his place in his notes and he never really recovered. He sort of stumbled through the sermon and he left sort of red-faced and humiliated. And a woman sitting in the front said to her friend, you know, if he had gone up the way he came down, he'd be coming down the way he went up. And I think that's true. That's exactly what Jesus says in verse 11. You see what he says? For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Do you believe him? Do you trust Jesus on this? 
You know, it's a whole different approach to life, you have to admit. I mean, people don't live like this, but Jesus' people do. You trust him. So Jesus is saying, just take a seat by the kitchen. Don't presume to be the bestest friend of anyone. Don't think that you're the key person at work. Don't think you're the smartest or the most valued person in the group or that everyone is dying to hear your words. No, just go sit by the kitchen. Then what? Well, then it may happen that the bride and the groom will come to your table and they say, what are you doing here? Oh, no, 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 no. This is the wrong place. Come with us. And you'll grab your coat and all your kids in tow and they'll escort you in front of everybody to the seat of honor right next to them. Oh, you are so special to us. We really want you to sit close to us. You'll be honored in the presence of everybody. Now that makes you feel honored, right? Not when you went and sat in that seat in the first place because you grabbed it and you were there first, but when it's given to you, that's when you feel honored. Honor has to be given, not grasped. A couple years ago, I grew a beard. Some of you may remember, some of you may be trying to forget, but it, was, you know, it came out rather gray. But that summer, during vacation, I was visiting a church. It was a large church, huge church. And I actually had a coat and tie on and my gray beard, and I went and sat in one of the pews just in the back. I noticed this usher was just staring at me and staring at me. And pretty soon he comes up to me and he says, Sir, I think you're supposed to be seated on the platform, aren't you? I said, No, I'm just visiting. But, you know, he wanted to confer that honor on me. And I have to tell you, it felt good. felt good to have somebody think I belonged in a higher seat. And Unfortunately, it was an error, and it's probably the only time it'll happen in my life, you know. But it feels good when someone wants to give you an honor. Of course, if I had gone, you know, pretty soon I would have been kicked out, but let's not think about that. Real honor has to be given. It can never be grasped. Like real love, like real friendship. You can't insist on it. It's a gift that has to be given. If people say, hey, Where's my appreciation? Well, whatever appreciation they finally give you, if you insist on it, will not be anywhere near as sweet as the gift they might give you because they genuinely value you. You can't grasp it. So how do you become valuable to friends? Well, not by clinging to someone as though you were their best friend. Why would somebody give you responsibility? Well, not because they know you're going to get really mad and make a scene if you don't have that role. That's grasping. True honor has to be given freely. Walter Payton was this fabulous running back for the Chicago Bears, which is a football team for those of you who don't watch football, not an exhibit at the zoo. But he was a fabulous running back, and he said something interesting. He said, when you're good at something, you'll tell everyone. When you're great at something, they'll tell you. Just think about that. When you're good at something... You go around boasting about it, you know. When you're great at something, you don't have to. They'll recognize it. They'll confer honor on you. Scripture says the same thing, except it lifts it to a higher level. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 18, Paul writes this, For it is not the one who commends himself that is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. It is not the one who commends himself who grasps honor for himself who is approved, but it's the one whom the Lord commands. So the one, you see what it's saying, the one who takes that person who's sitting by the kitchen 
and moves them to the seat of honor is the Lord God himself. The one who will move you to the seat of honor is the Lord God himself. Luke 18, verse 14, it's a, this parable Jesus told, remember, about the Pharisee, full of pride, and the contrast was this man who knew he was a sinner, who had failed God in every way. And here's how Jesus ends that parable. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And here he's talking about what God does. Same lesson as in the text that we're studying now. Challenging, challenging, isn't it? And really it's a challenge to our faith. Do I trust the words of the Lord Jesus Christ? So Jesus is saying, go sit by the kitchen, walk humbly, don't have lofty thoughts about yourself. Then you'll be exalted by God himself. And friends, here's the thing. I've quoted two places where it's repeated, but in the Old and the New Testament, this principle is repeated over and over again that he exalts the lowly and brings down the proud. It's like a hammer hitting a nail over and over so it's driven deep into our hearts. God is saying, listen to this, understand this, live by this. God exalts the lowly. So if you have to ask for honor and approval and friendship, if you have to fight for any of these things, when you finally get them, it'll feel hollow, empty. But there is an honor which God gives, which is deeply satisfying. He'll exalt you. He'll call you his child and he'll give you a magnificent title. He'll give you a title which is this. He'll call you a friend of Jesus. You can't beat that. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray for ourselves and all those who are watching, especially those who do feel they've been rejected and cast out, humiliated, unappreciated, unwelcome. We pray for those, Lord, who are bitter and angry, those who are fighting for those things still, who still harbor anger, maybe from years ago, that they didn't get what they think was owed them. Lord, may your peace come into our hearts. Instead, Lord, may we be hungry for the honor that you bestow on your children, that no one can take away and that satisfies, truly satisfies our souls. In your holy name we pray it. Amen. Philippians 2 says this, In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And our text, friends, is calling us to live out Philippians 2, to have the mind of Christ, to sit by the kitchen door, to not grasp for honors, but instead to serve others and to trust the promises of Christ that, that those who have the mind of Christ will has, also have the reward of Christ, which is God's exaltation of us. So may you, may you have faith to trust the promises of God to exalt you and make your life like a well-watered garden. Amen.